You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Our long national nightmare is over. Summer League? LeBron James oh. has announced that he is going back to 23. Thank you, Jesus. Many sleepless nights. I know. The referees had that LeBron call. Your sleepless nights is LeBron wearing number six. Mm-hmm. It confuses me. Is he in Miami? Is he not in Miami? Like, what's going on? But I'm glad, Tom, because he announced as part of this, that he's changing his number out of respect for one Bill Russell. How about that classy move, huh? Well, I should say here, clarify, he didn't say that. That was Rich Paul of Clutch Sports Group, CEO, Ah. saying that for him as the spokesperson. Diamond package. Diamond package. Yeah, we're on the take too. Telling Dave McMenamin, reporting from Los Angeles in the ESPN.com news desk, It's LeBron's decision, said Paul. (laughs) He chose out of respect for Bill Russell. That's very sweet. So the league retired number six across the entire association, but they allowed a grandfather clause. A year ago. Anyone wearing number six can continue wearing number six until the end of their career, basically. But the point is, he didn't have to do this right now. He chose to do this, Tom, out of respect for Bill Russell, because how else would one demonstrate respect for this great man other than giving up the number and switching it, right? Right. No other way. Anything else would actually be kind of disrespectful if you think about it. It would be disrespectful. Unless you say no disrespect first. Oh, that's true. Correct. No disrespect to Bill Russell. But I'm going to keep wearing number six. Yeah. You say no disrespect on the front end, you pretty much can say whatever you want. If you have Rich Paul say no disrespect for you oh, yes, on the front end, you're covered. Mm-hmm. If you tweet that Rich Paul said something and you add his title and the business that he operates and co-founded, 
and he says no disrespect on the front end of whatever he's saying, then after that, anything goes. And he said this was LeBron's decision. He clarified, look, this is LeBron's decision. Yeah. Just wanted to make it clear this wasn't anybody else making the decision for him. This wasn't my decision as the CEO of Clutch Sports Group and his longtime friend, agent. And we know LeBron loves to make decisions. The answer to the question everybody wants to know, LeBron, what's your decision? And sometimes not decisions, right? Because he retired at the end of that Denver series, right? Still retired, according to me. No, well, the ESPYs would have us believe otherwise, Maze. When the season ended, um, I said I wasn't sure if I was going to keep playing. And I know a lot of experts told you guys what I said, but I'm here now speaking for myself. In that moment, I'm asking myself if I can still play without cheating the game. Can I give everything to the game still? Truth is, I've been asking myself this question at the end of the season for a couple years now. I just never openly talked about it. I don't care how many more points I score or what I can or cannot do on the floor. The real question for me is, can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. According to the ESPYs, LeBron is now unretired. Oh, out of respect to LeBron James, LeBron has unretired. Out of respect to the Los Angeles Lakers, he's unretired. And out of respect out of Michael Jordan, he's finally completed the full assimilation. <laughs> MJ retired and unretired, so did I. So what you're saying is this is LeBron completing the set of Michael Jordan copy. He's going back to 23 mm -hmm. to defend his honor. So is it disrespectful to Michael Jordan for him to go back to the number 23? Quite the opposite. It's the ultimate sign of respect because he's trying to be like Mike. Mm. Mike was 23. Then he changed his number. And he changed his number back because everyone said six wasn't 23. So are you saying he's honoring Michael by changing it back to 23? Of course. But he's... Honoring Bill Russell. By taking away from six. Oh, okay. Because I'm reading this news story from McMenamin. I mean, uh -huh. a year ago at the start of training camp, he had this quote LeBron did. For us to lose such an icon, it was heartbreaking for all of us. Mm. I mean, no matter if you play the game, watch the game, or a part of the game, we all know what Bill Russell meant to the NBA, obviously, to the Celtics off the floor as well. For me to be able to wear number six this season, I'm not sure if I'll continue to do it, but right now I'm going to wear it in honor of him. It means a lot to me. Hmm. I'm all confused now. I think it's pretty simple here, guys. He kept the number out of respect. He changed the number out of respect. He also changed the number out of respect for Michael Jordan. He's respectful of everybody. And if you don't believe me, you don't have to listen to me. Listen to what LeBron told the CEO and co-founder of Clutch Sports, Rich Paul, who said, no disrespect, that stuff that I just said. Pretty straightforward to me. Got it? Shine bright like a diamond. Respectfully. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. Now you've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haverstrow, and as always, I am joined by the five-star Illuminati Army Generals, Amin Hassan and producer Anthony Mays, the co-presidents 
of the Illumination. We didn't get elected. Dictators. Benevolent, though. Respectfully. We are at the height of NBA free agency. Off-season. Height of free agency was two weeks ago. Oh. This is height of off-season right now. And there is a lot of fraud going on. What? Which we have to address on this program. Later in the show, we are going to talk about height fraud. It's going to go in directions you did not suspect. It starts with the idea that Brian Winters had to apologize for calling Victor Obinyama 7-5. He should apologize. That was offensive, what he did. We'll get to the bottom of Wembenyama's height and also this whole idea of height mismanagement. Let's not call it fraud. Misreporting. Height misreporting in and around the NBA. In and around, okay. You're not going to want to skip this segment. No, you don't. I figured some team is going to pay Sadiq Bay more, but they might pay pay less. It's a walk. It's a walk. We're going to talk about hype fraud. We're also going to talk about the latest sensation, the latest craze on NBA Twitter, hoops grids, crossover grids. I got to tell you, I like this way more than Pirtle. This is a great game, and I can't wait to talk about it. We'll get into that later. We'll do the gritty. But first, you are listening to The Agenda with Tom Haberstroh and Amin El Hassan. Did you know that there was an uninterrupted film festival? I didn't. I'm kind of offended that I wasn't invited. Where was this? Make it about you, I mean. I'm just saying. I'm going to talk to Maverick and see what's up, man. They had a clutch party during Summer League. I didn't know about it until like. Two days later. Newhouse Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard, L.A. Oh, yeah. I know where Newhouse is. I've been there before. Look, no disrespect, but the disrespect has been plentiful. How do you dishonor Amino Hassan like that? How could you? Where all these people get invited? Joel Troel Embiid went on stage with Maverick Carter, and here's what he said. I just want to win a championship, uh, you know, whatever it takes. I don't know where that's going to be, whether it's at Philly or, you know, anywhere else, you know, I just want to have a chance uh, to accomplish that. I want to see what it feels like to win that first one and then you can pick about, you know, the next one. Um, you know, it's not easy, um, but, you know, it takes more than, you know, one or two, three hours. You will know, have, uh, you know, good people around you and you know, myself, you know, every single day I work hard to, you know, be at that level. And be playing the game, right? I mean, this is the game within the game. It's one thing for him to attend Michael Rubin's white party out in the Hamptons with James Harden and try to woo him back and get him back on the Philadelphia 76ers and play that game. It's another to go on the film festival stage and just toss this one into the waters. This meaty chum into the waters. Through the bait into the water. The waters of the offseason by saying he'd like to win a championship in Philadelphia or somewhere else. And there's levels to this because Joel Embiid has been at the forefront of trolling on Twitter. We like to say Kevin Durant is kind of the mastermind of NBA players on Twitter, whereas Embiid from day one with his locations on Instagram Years ago, yeah, he was ahead of the curve about trolling people on social media. Yes. So this one is a little bit different, though. I mean, Maze, this feels like he's escalating it into a in-person interview and then claiming that he's trolling not just on social media, but that he's trolling in real life, too, by throwing that chum into the waters of Philadelphia. Look, I know smoke when I see it, man. I could feel the heat rising from the flames, even as I do not perceive them with mine own eyes. That's a man who's getting ready to pack his bags and head out of town. Everything in the stars, in the galaxy, when you look up into the night sky and see all those glorious dots, each one representing millions of years ago, an explosion of a different star. I like Sermon. I mean, this is good. You understand that they form constellations that connect and bind and create shapes for us. Orion's belt, the Big Dipper, the Hunter, the Bear. Great show. Et cetera, et cetera. And the list goes on. Three seasons of Righteous Gemstones. (laughs) They all 
portrays something. And these dots right here, Joel Embiid's little tweets here, Joel Embiid's interview there. I've seen it in a dream. Joel Embiid will not be a sixer within 18 months of this recording. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Can you call something 18 months from now? Sure can. As we were famously formerly employed somewhere, I called a lot of that stuff 18 months in advance. This feels like when you say something really mean to your significant other inadvertently, and then you I was just, I was just joking. I was just joking. I'm just playing. You take things so seriously. That was a joke. Whoa, you're being a little uptight over there. Maybe you should relax. And you know, that always goes over well. Sounds like you're the one that wants to break up with me. <laughs> yeah. The old switcheroo. <laughs> and then he says on Twitter, he was defending himself. Check out my middle name on here. And it's Troel. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Troel. Well, and then someone else said, you need to tweet more like you did back in the day. Yeah. Embiid says, father time is undefeated. He's walking this back. I mean, he is moonwalking this comment to Maverick Carter. Is he? To me, this was the smoking gun from July 17th. I've lost my place as best troll here, though. And it went to Daryl Morey. Hmm. I saw that tweet and I said, oh, what did Daryl tweet? And so I went through Daryl's tweets. Yeah. Tweets and replies because Twitter is dumb now. Anyways, there's a response to Michael Levin. Michael Levin tweeted, Odd that Embiid would demand the Sixers to fill the end of their bench with unathletic centers who can't touch their toes. Whatever makes your stars happy, I guess. Daryl Morey said, they are all graduates of the center, center for centers. Yeah, clip that. The Dwight Howard video. Yeah. I watched that. That was a fun walk down memory lane. Hi. I'm Dwight Howard. This year, centers have been left off the all-star ballot, leaving dozens of centers, centers just like me, feeling alone and scared. Thankfully, there's a way you can help. Here at the Center Center for Centers, we give centers the love and care they need. And we retrain them as point guards, ready to become productive members of the NBA. They learn how to dribble. How to make a layup without dunking. How to shoot from three. And how to wear those tiny, tiny sneakers. Please say you'll be the angel for the center who is suffering right now. Call the number on your screen or go online to pledge your support. You're in the arms of center. The center center for centers. We're centered on centers. That's our center. And then he has the meme from Mean Girls where Rachel McAdams says, why are you so obsessed with whatever it was that she said, but they changed it to centers. Then he's got something about how the Sixers Summer League team won. Paul Reed at a Philadelphia Union game. B-ball Paul Reed. So basically, either he's responding to the center, center for centers tweet, or he's calling him a troll for not creating a roster that is worth having around. Seems like a long walk. Does seem like a long walk. We're missing something here that Joel Embiid has access to some inside information that Daryl Morey is trolling and he's not really being specific about it. He's being a little ambiguous here. Hold on. I stand corrected. The Joel Embiid tweet was on July 17th. The center center for centers tweet was also on July 17th. Here's the issue. Almost four hours later. Mm. Meaning, Joel could not have been referring to Daryl's trolling reply to Michael Levin because it hadn't happened yet. So why is Daryl Morey the big troll? I don't know. I kind of feel like we need to go into the likes category here. Is there any evidence here that Daryl liked something that Embiid liked? How did he troll? That's the question. How did Daryl Morey troll in order to be called the king troll by Joel Embiid? Oh, interesting. Daryl Morey waving this off, saying nothing to see here. Liking Embiid's tweet, saying that Daryl Morey is now the biggest troll. Huh. Now, here's what I would do. If someone called me the biggest troll and it wasn't a big deal, I would respond, nah, you got a king or something like that, right? 
playfully bantering back and forth. I'm just trying to get like you. Mm -hmm. All right, now let's do the other way. Let's go to Embiid. What are his likes? Long walks on the beach, sunsets, ice cream. Winning a championship in Philadelphia or somewhere else? Somewhere else. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, here we go. I don't know what to think of this. Lots of things have happened this summer. He only has one liked tweet since June 7th. What tweet was that? July 1st, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeting out the breaking news with the breaking news graphic. Knicks are finalizing trade to send forward Obi Toppin to the Pacers for two future second round picks. Sources tell ESPN. Hmm, interesting. That looks like a gold deal there. Dylan Embiid is liking the reporting of what I would call a fairly minor transaction between two teams that are far below where the Philadelphia 76ers are. Why would he do that? Windy fingers. Why would he do that? Why would he care? Weird. Other than the fact that the person reporting the deal is represented by the same agency that used to employ the person consummating the deal, who happened to be the person who used to preside over Joel Embiid's deals. Leon Rose, you're saying? Oh, I'm sorry. Is the CAA like coming as a surprise to everybody? That, to me, isn't enough. Like, look, I used to be rep by ICM. And my agent used to be at ICM. Now he's on his own and I'm with him and we're happy and all. But like I still have friends that worked at ICM. I wasn't keeping up with their transactions and liking those transactions. That doesn't do anything for me. I don't know if I would do that publicly. Huh. The Knicks are doing a low level trade to clear out their power forward position and get some assets in return. Well, one less big. Get some assets. Stockpiling some draft assets. And we know if there's one person who likes second round picks, Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's the Phoenix Suns. Here's the deal, man. I know there are a lot of aggregators are going to listen to this and infer that we're saying that the Knicks are preparing to do a grandfathered big old deal for old Joel Embiid, right? Aggregators, mount up. I know you guys want to believe that's what we're saying. We're not saying any of that. We're just asking questions. Isn't this questionable behavior by the parties involved? Doesn't this arouse suspicion? That's it, baby. We're aroused. What? And I'm at some good old-fashioned, red-blooded American male arousal (laughs) of suspicion. I'm suspicious of your arousal. Yeah, I'm very uncomfortable right now. Excuse me while I... Very uncomfortable. Tend to myself. Is this still the preacher character? Yeah. Why is the preacher doing this? The gardener always makes sure to weed his front lawn. We've heard all of the dots being connected by NBA insiders uh, at ESPN. Nick Friedel did it recently. Zach Lowe also on his Low Post podcast shared the intel. Well, I guess his opinion, I should say. I shouldn't say he's reporting this. If I'm the Knicks, all these Carl Anthony Towns rumors are going to start now. Forget that. I have a good team. I have Brunson, who's an awesome point guard. I've still got all these chips. Towns ain't the guy I'm playing those chips for. But Embiid, that's the guy I'm playing all the chips for. So here we have on ESPN, multiple people connecting the dots on Embiid over to the Knicks. And now we have Embiid liking the tweet for the Knicks trading out Obi Toppin and the pressure being placed on Daryl Morey, both on Twitter and at the film festival, film critic, Joel Embiid, Troy Embiid. So my thing is, if we know that Daryl Morey has always been asking for the moon in trades, or that's his reputation, that he's always asking for your firstborn in these trades. Yeah. What do the Knicks possibly have? They have a lot of draft assets, man. That matters. I know we're used to saying the Knicks don't have shit, but we're in a weird tie where it's like, no, nah, they actually kind of got some shit, man. They got all those picks they've got coming to them from Dallas, Detroit, Washington. You think Daryl Morey is going to trade, and not to say that this is a Damian Lillard situation, but Daryl Morey would trade Joel Embiid for RJ Barrett and picks? No, it would take a little bit more than that. He just won an MVP. I got it. I got it. I got you, man. But like, you know what? All right. You're making your call 18 months from now. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen this summer, man. 
I'm just saying, I don't think he's going to be a sixer within 18 months. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Don't get me all aroused all over again. I don't quite understand that. Stars, constellations. But there's people walking back lots of things. You know, like I talked about Embiid doing the moonwalk about his comments. But you know who literally deleted a tweet about the Sixers? It was Kevin Durant. Deleted a response to NBA Central's aggregation of Dan Lebitard's on-air comments about... Tyler Hero and Tyrese Maxey saying Hero is better than Maxey. To defend Dan here, he was saying that this is the Heat's position, not necessarily his position. Well, that's not why. And then Kevin Durant deleted his reply to that aggregation. He's what? That's what it was. It's not because Dan said Hero is better than Maxey. He said Hero is better than Maxey and he's white. Yes. This is news to Kevin Durant. Durant said he's what? (laughs) Which reminded me of... Richard Pryor and see no evil, hear no evil, standing up in the middle of the subway and telling his sister very loudly, you mean I'm not white? I thought you were going with Dave Chappelle as the black, white supremacist. You know, it's funny. I don't know why Kevin Durant would delete it. Hmm. I thought it was a funny tweet. Now, why would Kevin Durant do that? No, <laughs> Maybe he was afraid of recrimination from King Troll, Daryl Morey. Oh, yeah. Perhaps. People are thinking that Daryl Morey's got something up his sleeve. Can he get Damian Lillard and convince him to stay? Didn't work out so well for him with James Harden. Don't know how that plays into things. Tyrese Maxey, they decided not to extend him because it keeps them financially flexible and keeps him in trade talks. Do you flip Tyrese Maxey for Damian Lillard and then try to make it work with Joel? I don't know, but this seems like... A lot of slop, guys. It's mid-July. We're getting down to the dregs of the rumor mill. Look, I don't want to get caught up in who tweeted what. This is dumb. This is the agenda, guys. And in the agenda, we're supposed to be talking about things that the mainstream media is talking about. And what they're talking about right now, guys, is transactions. Guess what? Free agency is still going on. There's still a bunch of stuff happening. Oh. I'd like to focus in more on some of those things. Mike Scotto, friend of the show Mike Scotto from Hoops Hype, had a real nice kind of roundup out of Summer League about all the things that he's been hearing. He had a couple of new tidbits I hadn't heard. Tom, did you know that the Mavericks were linked to a Boyan Bogdanovich, Killian Hayes deal? They want to get those two guys and send Tim Hardaway Jr. and JaVale McGee out to Detroit. Had you heard that, Tom? I hadn't, but it makes sense. They want to get bigger on the wing and get some more shooting. Yeah, that makes sense. Killian Hayes. I kind of feel like it's over, but you never know. Change of scenery, right? Like you go somewhere new. Hey, if Dante Exum is back in the NBA, why not? Dante Exum is back in the NBA. I still can't believe that part. Here's another one that's been out there and been discussed. Dennis Smith Jr., Reclamation Project Year. Steve Clifford loved him. Charlotte loved him. He's from North Carolina. The Hornets tried to keep him, he ends up going to Brooklyn for minimum. Now, you might say, so what? Minimum guard here goes minimum guard there. Why does it matter? Yeah. Charlotte actually offered him more than minimum to stay. So he literally turned down money. And and that's not just money in the salary. But remember, going to Brooklyn, money in the taxes. Because now he plays in New York City as opposed to down in Charlotte, North Carolina, a much more forgiving tax base. So why would Dennis Smith do that? Why would he turn down an opportunity with the team that gave him an opportunity without a whole lot of guarantees. Well, according to Mike Scotto, for Smith Jr., he saw a greater opportunity to play in Brooklyn, whom he heard from immediately at the start of free agency and was a priority. So the Brooklyn Nets at 6.01 p.m. Eastern called Dennis Smith Jr. They didn't call Portland for Damian Lillard. They didn't call Miami to see how they could get Tyler Hero out of this. They called Dennis Smith Jr. I think that's fairly noteworthy. Other noteworthy things that are happening, guys. Keep going. You're on a roll. The Utah Jazz signed Omar Yurtsevin to a two-year deal. Heat lifer. A pretty skilled big, I would say, around the basket. Good rebounder. But here comes the Utah Jazz intent on picking up some bigs. They went and got one. Also, not to be outdone, the Phoenix Suns traded away campaign to the San Antonio Spurs in exchange for a bunch of second-round picks. That's right. Did Embiid like that tweet when it was announced? He did not. Maybe this is why he didn't like it, because originally, according to Mike Scotto, again, shout-out to Mike Scotto, the Knicks, Pacers, and the Suns were involved in a three-team deal that would have sent TJ McConnell to the Suns, campaigned to the Knicks, and Evan Fournier and draft pick compensation would have gone to the Pacers. Of course, that fell apart, and as a result, 
You have campaign going to the Spurs. Now it gets even more interesting. Wait, more? Yes. Bull Bull, who was waived mysteriously by the Orlando Magic, signs with the Suns for minimum. And this is a guy who everyone thought had like a real bounce back season last year. And then was mysteriously, as I said, waived. No one knows why. Now he ends up on the Phoenix Suns. That's not it, guys. They did more. Utah Watanabe. They picked him up as well also for minimum, and not to be outdone there, they also went out and got Chimezi, Metu, and Kita Bates-Diop. It's been a busy, busy free agency for the Suns. Drew Eubanks, another pickup that they had. You start to see them put together all these things, and you say, huh, wow, what are the Suns doing here? Tom, what is Amin talking about? That's not news. What do you mean it's not news? They did all those things. No. Bowl, bowl, yes. Yes. Campaign, yes. Yes. Those happened recently. And it's Metu and That's old news. That happened right away in free agency. Yeah, that was like the very first thing that happened in free agency. They were signing all these dudes to tiny deals before name players got real money. June 30th, 7.40 p.m., according to Shams Tarani of The Athletic, the Suns have agreed to a deal with Utah Watanabe. I, I, that was three weeks ago. I mean... I, I, I got to come clean here, guys. I got all my July 19th signings all mixed up. Today's July 19th. Yesterday, July 19th. Apparently, the Suns, 19 days ago, was July 19th. My apologies. They all kind of fit in the same bucket. I didn't realize July 19th was Groundhog Day. Nope, nope, just for the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> Keep your third eye open for that shadow. How tall is the groundhog? You guys know? Um, well, we just got to look at the shadow, right? No. I've seen reported groundhog is 7'6". Seven, six. No. 7'6 seven, yeah. inches? Mm -hmm. No, that's... That's how long his shadow is. No, man. Guys always lie about their height. Come on. Short guys always lie about their height. Shortest relative, Maze. Always remember that. Let's just skip this whole thing and get right to the segment. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, big news. Brian Winhurst has to go on air on ESPN to clarify some things. I'm very appreciative of Brian. He stepped into a pile of French dung here. Mailed. Going on air and for the record saying, I didn't make up seven foot five inches in regards to Victor Wembenyama. I was told 7'5", okay? Victor announced he was 7'3", and when he was measured in feet, he came up at seven three and five eighths inches. I think he actually is seven five when he's out on the court. But for some reason, he doesn't want to be seven five. He doesn't want to be seven four. He wants to be seven three. And I am just going to speculate that as he's saying this, he's got two digits flying in the air. As long as he's got the support of a really good chair. Yes. No one talks about. The chair. You gotta talk about the chairs. I am suspecting that when he is giving this sermon about Victor Wembenyama's actual height, he is in one of those first take chairs. Maybe if Wembenyama was in a first take chair, he'd be seven five. Or maybe he'd be seven three because he is seven five. Hmm. Why? Which is the puzzling part about all this. Why would he underreport his height? 
Wouldn't you want to be taller? You can almost dunk the ball when you're standing on your tippy toes. That's an advantage in the game. It's like if, I don't know, a baseball player was lying about how fast he threw a ball. Like, why would you say you're less likely to be good at a sport or make yourself shorter in a game that is dedicated to height? So seven years ago, Chris Herring, who at the time was working for the Wall Street Journal, wrote about this exact thing, about the concept of guys lying about their height. And in many of the cases, it is your garden variety, guys just like to be taller, right? Yeah. I remember as a kid growing up, Michael Jordan was 6'6 from North Carolina. And the guy for the Knicks who guarded Jordan most of the time was John Starks from Tulsa, who was 6'5". But when you saw them stand next to each other, clearly Starks was not 6'5". Same thing with Charles Barkley, who was listed as a 6'7 power forward, but clearly was not 6'7". And so over time, you begin to realize that they're just like us. A little height inflation. When you're listed as something, being taller makes it better. It's much better to be a 6'5 point guard than it is to be a 6'2 point guard. Right? Six five point guard, you're in big point guard territory. Six two and a half, you're average. So height inflation has been a part of our game for decades. But over the last ooh, 25 years, we've gotten a dose of something that is the exact opposite. Height deflation. Deflate gate. Shut the hell up! Shut up! Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> your son got nailed. Keep your freaking mouth shut. A <laughs> uh, frame gate my Keep your, shut up. Stay low. Shut up. Put that guy on. See if he's got the guts to talk to somebody who's going to ask him a tough question. Go ahead. Better yet, put his son on. Let's see what he has to say. Put your son on. Don't hide USA Today. Uh, come on. Come on, talk shows. Hey, come on now. Come on right now. Say that to me. Say that to anybody. Say it to somebody. I believe it started with Kevin Garnett. Well, apparently Bill Walton deflated his height, claimed he was 6'11", was once asked why he was officially shorter than the seven-foot Akeem Olajuwon, even though he towered over Olajuwon when they guarded each other. Yeah. Quote, the floor is warped. Yes, but Olajuwon himself has been accused of height inflation, being no taller than perhaps 6'10", but being listed as seven feet. And you could see this whenever he stood next to Shaquille O'Neal, who's 7'1". Where is he? During the 1995 NBA Finals. I mean, have you looked at the pictures of Shaq next to Yao Ming? Shaq looks like he's Glenn Baby Davis. Well, that's because Yao Ming is actually that height, right? He's accurately listed. But he's listed at 7'6". Are you claiming that Yao Ming's like 7'8"? He's only five inches taller than Shaq, allegedly. How do you think five inches taller is going to represent itself? Five inches is really big. I mean, don't we all know that? Tom, Tom, you are how tall? I don't like where this is going. Your height, not that. I don't. Not that part, you idiot. I feel like you're stereotyping right now, okay? Vertically. Uh, from your feet to your head, what's your height? Wow. This is accusatory. I am very uncomfortable. Look at all these insecurities coming out in the height fraud segment. It's tough. Hmm. It's tough for people to admit how tall they actually are. I'm just saying, I believe Tom to be around 5'11 and three quarters. Just a random guess here. I'm just eyeballing it. <laughs> okay. But if you were to stand next to DeMar DeRozan, who's 6'6". Or me. Maze, how tall are you? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Maze, how tall are you? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I could stand next to our co-host here. I forgot I couldn't see Maze with the door in the background. Because I got a great chair. Maze, how tall are you? 6'6", six, six, straight up. Maze towers over you, Tom. Maze is Yao to your shack, basically. That's what I've always said. So as I said, Bill Walton might have been height deflating, but Hakeem Olajuwon was definitely height inflating. So the real start of height deflation to me is Kevin Garnett, or as some people have affectionately called him in the past, Kevin Garnett was 7-1 and everybody knew it, but he kept getting listed as 6-11. And when asked what his height was, the late Flip Saunders would always say 6-13. And the reason for this was there's a belief, much as I said, height inflation factors in and how much you get paid, it could force you into a completely different positional category. For Kevin Garnett, not being a seven-footer meant I can be a power forward. Because once you say you're seven feet tall, now you're a center. Yeah, he stigmatized being seven feet tall, which 
was an exclusive club or seemed like something that people would want to be in. Yes. But Kevin Garnett comes along and says, no. It was a club you wanted to be in, Mays, if you played center. As Kevin Garnett, through his high school career, had not played center. He was a perimeter player. He's a three and a four. He did not want to be transitioned against his will into a position that he didn't like playing. It's one thing that, hey, we're going to go small ball. We'll play you at the five, Kevin. It's another thing when, Kevin, you're our five. You're seven feet tall. You should play center. You're the five. And every guy that we look for to put around you is going to be shorter than seven feet tall. Well, that's not the case if you're 6'11". Is there something about being on the more slender side and wanting to be deflated? Kevin Garnett, Bill Walton, Victor Wembanyama. Well, yeah, because you don't want to play center because you have to go against Shaq and Embiid. And they make you lift a lot more weights and put on some weight and play at a weight that you've not been accustomed to. Because I think one of the big things, and we talked about this before, is that when guys add weight, they add it proportionally in the sense that you have to be accustomed to playing at that weight. You add too much weight, now you're out of sorts. Anthony Davis. There you go. All of that stirs into this witch's brew. So then a decade or so later, Kevin Durant comes along, also seven feet tall. He takes it a step further. He calls himself 6'9". Now, why would he do that? Why would he shave three inches off of his height? Because Kevin Durant didn't even want to play four. He wanted to be a small four. He wanted to be a three. He wanted to be on the perimeter. He wanted to do what he's doing right now. At 6'9", I can do that because they called me a small forward. 6'10", you're a four. 6'11", seven foot, now you're four or five territory. Seven foot, you're a five. So he height deflated, fraudulently called his height what it was in order for him to be perceived as a certain thing. So that brings us to Victor Wembanyama. And you say, wait a second, guys. Can't be about positions. Right? It's not like 7-5 plays center and 7-3 doesn't. Why would Victor Wembenyama want to deflate his height? Any theories? Well, when you guys were talking about his debut, you talked about how perimeter-oriented he was and handling the ball on the wing and taking people off the dribble and wasn't playing so close to the basket. So maybe he is trying to position himself in a Kevin Durant fashion as a wing. <laughs> but 7'3 doesn't get him there. He's just a big one. <laughs> if he was 7'5, he'd have to play by the basket. But if he's 7'3, maybe you can shave another seven inches and then get to 6'9. I don't think I did the math there right. I'm Tom Haverstrow, and you're watching The Big Number. Quick aside did the Suns bring in Bull Bull to make Kevin Durant look shorter? There you go. So that he actually appears 6'9. Wow. Third eye is open. Third eye optical illusion. If Bull Bull is your three, then Kevin Durant gets to be your two. Yeah. Bradley Beal gets to be your one. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker, you're the odd man out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. What happened to Book? You're the center, Devin Booker. Guys, I want to read a list of players taller than 7'3 in NBA history. You might be surprised to find out there are only 13 such instances. Wait, where are you getting this, by the way? Where are you getting this? Shout out to Stathead, powered by Basketball Reference, the go-to place for all types of searchable information. All right. Tallest player in NBA history is Manute Bull. Seven foot seven. He played 10 years, 624 games. Number two is George Mirazan. My Giant. From My Giant. Seven foot seven as well. Played six years, 307 games. Sean Bradley's number three. He played 11 years. Might be an Iron Man in this category. 832 games. Number four is Taco Fall, seven foot six. Played two years in the league and a grand total of 37 games. Yao Ming, eight years. He's at seven foot six. He played 486 games. Simbular, one season, seven foot five, three games. Chuck Nevitt, seven foot five, 11 years, 155 games over those 11 years. Pavel Podkolzin, two years, six games. Slavko Vranic, seven foot five, one year, one game. Mark Eaton, seven foot four, ten years, eight hundred and seventy-five games. Priest Lauderdale, who was on the Hawks when I was going to Hawks games, seven foot four, two seasons, seventy-four games. Ralph Sampson, seven foot four, nine seasons, four hundred and fifty-six games played. And finally, Rick Smith's the Dunking Dutchman, eleven years, eight hundred and sixty-seven games played. It's a long list there, right? But if I take the guys who played more than 500 games in their career, I've got Manute Bull, Sean Bradley, 
Mark Eaton, and I've got Rick Smiths. Four guys. There is a stigma to being seven foot four or taller in the NBA guys. <laughs> What's the stigma? You're either fragile or you can't play. Every single one of those guys I read on my list either had major injury issues or... But seven, three. We're cooking now. Cooking with gas. We got Big Z. We got Christos Porzingis. We got Sabonis. Porzingis has never been called injury prone or had injuries that he dealt with. Neither is Sabonis. Hashim to beat. Yeah. And the beat goes on. Boban Marjanovic. The point is... Your point is that Victor Wembanyama wants to be known as 7-3 because 7-3 is somehow safer from a fragility standpoint from an ability standpoint durability ability all of that is that somehow seven three you could be anything you want but if you're seven five you're not only going to be pigeonholed as a sean bradley type you also are going to break down a lot sooner and so victor Wembanyama does not want to be associated with seven five versus seven three i get all that and i understand why brian winhurst would go out and say for the record that he's 7-5. I mean, these are very, very radioactive allegations that he's making that Victor Wembanyama's actually 7-5 in shoes. And then there's this other thing that's happening, which is because if you read that article from the Wall Street Journal, Kevin Durant does say that he does claim to be 7 feet tall, but only in one circumstance. What's that? When he's talking to women. No. Which brings him back. He's just like us, guys. You walk in somewhere, you see a pretty lady. She says, how tall are you? You always give it a little bit of extra. Always a little bit extra. But you know, guys, some guys don't reserve it just for dating scenarios out and about. Some people choose to live their entire lives around a fictionalized truth, a lie that becomes their reality and in turn becomes their cage, really. I'm talking, of course, of none other than the man that bestowed Kevin Garnett with the name Kevin Garnot, the one and only Skip Bayless of Fox Sports. Oh, man. Oh. What? Is he inflating or deflating? Well, he's disputing. Skip Bayless made a video where he's absolutely roasting LeBron James. And because Undisputed is on hiatus, he can't do this on his usual sound set at his usual desk across from his usual partner, Shannon Sharp. No, he's got to do this at his house. What I do not doubt to be a luxurious, fancy house somewhere in a very posh neighborhood in Los Angeles. The type with really high ceilings and ornate craftsmanship and all that. Yeah. He's taping this in front of what I presume to be his bedroom door or maybe it's front door, whatever. It's a door. It's double doors. It's a double door situation. It has one of those hydraulic hinges on the top of the door, which, you know, at a gym. So that you can't slam them unless you're Robin Lopez. In which case, you can slam the hell out of it. That story for another day. Not only are these doors slam proof, mm -hmm. but in this video here, and it distracted me from his original point of ripping on LeBron James, his head is, by my optical third eye perception, a maximum of three inches from the door frame, making him look huge, enormous. Now, Skip Bayless, not a large man, listed online at 5'10". So these doors are either six foot two, making it impossible for me, for example, to walk through without crouching, mm -hmm. or we've got some inflation manipulation here. We're talking Apple boxes. We're talking Dutch angles. We're talking telephoto lenses. Heat-seeking missiles. Um... Bloodhounds, foxes, barracudas. I'm just, I'm kind of flabbergasted when you say things like that. It's weird. Thank you. Not a compliment. We're talking all kinds of techniques to make a man appear larger and more intimidating than he is. I'm going to try to sleuth this. I feel like Starley Klein on The Mystery Show, when she dedicated an entire episode investigating the true height of Jake Gyllenhaal, because... There was a wormhole on the internet that no one knew the actual height of Jake Gyllenhaal. And it was this huge mystery, this great debate. And I dare posit that we have to do this with Skip Bayless because this photo right here, this video you're describing, looks like he's either standing on a stool delivering this rant about LeBron, or is it possible that the person videotaping, maybe his wife, 
is standing on such a thing. But then the perspective. Skip Bayless has a wife? No. If you shot from above, Tom, it would make him look shorter. Yeah. That I can tell you for sure. It's tilted slightly up. And if you shot from below, very below, in order to achieve that angle to a point where the door behind you would happen, it would be a much more pronounced under jowl. Under jowl. Yeah, that's good. Number two, you would get way less of the lower body. Mm-hmm. The problematic part about this picture, as I'm staring at it, is I can see almost all of his thighs and perhaps even the tops of his knees. So in other words, if Skip Bayless were being shot from below aggressively, I wouldn't be able to see that part of his body at all. If he's being shot straight forward, I should not be able to see that much of his lower body in the shot if he were actually that tall. But I will refer you to another video from Skip Bayless here where he is holding the camera himself. Okay. Because we've got a selfie perspective. Uh And once again, we are three to four inches from the top of the door. So I am alleging that Skip Bayless has installed tiny doors in his house to inflate his height for his social media video posts. Okay. This is... I like where you're going. I like where you're headed. But I raise you. His house architecture has not changed just for the purposes of looking tall. He doesn't have some sort of bye-bye man door all over his house. Don't think it. Don't say it. That's not what's happening here. I will show you how I can connect dots from across galaxies. From two people who have nothing to do with each other, who could not be more on the polar opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of responsible journalism and charlatanism, right? On one hand, you've got Skip Bayless, this guy who just exists to troll the embodiment of everything that's wrong with the media. Go all the way on the polar opposite. I submit to you, Rachel Nichols, paragon of journalism. Rachel Nichols, the foremost NBA show host in the land who when you see her, you say, oh, she's short. And I say to you, you don't know how short she is because she's wearing heels most of the time. Uh, It's got to be the shoes. Almost, right? So Rachel, when she takes off her heels and wears flats, she's shockingly short. When she wears the heels, she just looks short. But looking just short compared to, oh, say, Amino Hassan, that's not good enough, man, because most of the people she's going to be interviewing on the court or in any sort of situation where they're not sitting at a desk it's going to be guys much taller than Amino Hassan. We're talking the Tracy McGrady's, the Steven Jackson's, the Paul Pierce's. These guys are all 6'8 and taller. So what Rachel does when she has to stand up, and I've seen her do this at NBA playoff games. I've seen her do this at Summer League. The crew travels with a box. Rachel stands on top of the box in order to look averagely short compared to an NBA player. So she's got the heels and she's got the box. When she has to stand up. The Tom Cruise special. And I submit to you, Mr. Bayless is not only wearing lifts, he's standing on a box at his house. Wait. Notice something about his videos. Is he moving? Time out. Time out. I mean. Breaking news. Tom has presented evidence in the chat of a full foot to head image of Skip Bayless in front of the door. It's a tiny door. And in this picture's perspective, his head is above the door frame. I mean, what is going on? This is a tiny door. How? A tiny door concert. <laughs> How? <laughs> Skip Bayless's house. How? His door. I'm looking at it right now. How? <laughs> so he does live in the By My Man's house. Sorry. <laughs> My apologies. Does this door go anywhere? Why are there hydraulics? Is this Alice in Wonderland? He is a troll. You got to play the troll toll. To go to the troll door. Oh, man. This is incredible. This can't be. Is this one of those? You ever been to the Museum of Visual Effects? And they've got like the long hallway. There's an optical illusion museum that travels around the country. I have been to the one in Charlotte and they need to start taking notes <laughs> from Skip Bayless's house. We need to get Victor Weminyama some big doors. Step.
Guys, have you been playing hoop grids? You know what hoop grids are? So this is the new Wordle Purdle game, right? Yeah. So the way it works is you have three columns, three rows. It's a grid. The three rows will have three different team names. Sometimes it's two NBA teams and a college team. Sometimes it's all NBA teams. And on the columns, you have two NBA teams. And then the third column will always be some sort of statistical achievement, like made all the NBA team or 1,500 three-pointers made or average 25 points per game in a season, right? And so you have to guess a player that fits the intersection of each grid point. So if the first row is Portland and the first column is Orlando, that means in that first box, I have to find a player who played for both Orlando and Portland and then so on and so forth throughout the grid. And not only that, but they give you a rarity score for every guess you make. So for instance, if the intersection point was Lakers in Orlando and I said, Shaq, that one's really obvious. That one's probably gonna get like a 40% or something like that. Yeah, it's almost as if they have Patino game yep. ratings for how unique your player that fits the grid is. It's like golf. The lower your overall score, because they add up the individual scores that you get for each square, and the lower the score, the better you are at this game. And it definitely follows the ethos of the Patino game. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. Okay, so the skill is getting a low score, which signifies that you are guessing players that are rare guesses. That the more that people are guessing that player, the worse your score is, meaning the higher rarity scores. I'll give you a great example from yesterday, from Tuesday's Hoops grid, right? So this way, it's not spoiling for anybody. So the rows were Portland, Chicago, Charlotte. The columns were Orlando, Houston, and all NBA. For instance, I had to find a Chicago Bull who was all NBA. Many people guessed Michael Jordan, right? Many people guessed Scottie Pippen. Many people guessed Derrick Rose. Not many people apparently guessed Norm Van Leer like I did. Wow. And I got 1.39% on Norm Van Leer and so on and so forth. For Houston and Portland, for instance, I went with Bonzi Wells, 3.5%. For Charlotte and Orlando, I went with Joe Wolf of North Carolina fame, 0.07%. The Wolfman. This is the Patino game gamified, actually. Now, quick aside here, during Summer League, I had the pleasure of meeting someone who worked on one of Rick Pitino's staffs. And do you know what I discovered, guys? Uh-oh. Rick Pitino is aware, very aware of Pitino game. So the guy tells me this. I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I never thought he would have even known. He's like, no, trust me, he knows all about it. What does he think, guys? Rick Pitino hates Pitino game. Oh, no. Oh, that's sad. And I feel like you're kind of missing the point here, Rick. This is a celebration, man. I am keeping your name top of mind for millions of basketball fans every single year through one of your greatest quotes ever. By the way, the quote is applicable, right? Like if you're sitting around hoping for nostalgia to save the day, that ain't going to happen. So for anything, I felt like I'm honoring Rick Pitino, but he doesn't like him. Do you think it's because he's carrying a lot of baggage from that time? And that quote makes him think of that time. Yeah, I mean, probably reminds him of his least successful basketball stint, really, right? Even coaching at Iona, he had incredible success. And now he, he starts at St. John's and congrats on that. And best of luck to you, coach. I think it's a little sad to hear that Rick Pitino doesn't like the Pitino game, but I have a theory for you. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's going to be a rubber band effect. It's going to snap in the other direction. That the more Amin El Hassan's of the world, guess the obscure player. It is now going to be the opposite is that people no. are going to guess the Bonzi Wellses and then the Houston Rocket, Portland Trailblazer, obvious guesses like Clyde Drexler. Tom, you overestimate how many people actually know this shit, man. That's the beauty of Patino game. I don't know, I kind of feel like crossover grid is speaking to the, the junkies. It is, but many so-called junkies are still very, very basic with their shit. This is what I notice a lot through interactions, both online and in person. Many people who are very knowledgeable about the game today are ignorant as hell 
Like the moment you step outside of 21st century, there's a massive drop. The moment you step out pre-Jordan, there's a massive drop. And the moment you step into post-ABNBA merger, right? Those 70s right there, there's a massive drop. People just don't know, man. They don't know. They're really good at telling me about like the ins and outs of Bones Highland's life. But when I ask them about like Rory Sparrow or Joe Wolf. How many other animal names are you going to Eric Strickland. Okay. Joe Wolf, Rory Sparrow. Ken Bannister. Ken the Animal Bannister is who I did there. Oh, nice. Pooh Richardson. Like, they have no idea what these names mean. And in fact, Patino Game, at some point, I stopped allowing people to just look it up on basketball reference. I said, no, no, no. You got to tell me something tells me you know who this is. You're not just throwing out a name. But then at some point, it became so big. It was like, I don't have time to vet everybody. All I have to do is just say, did this person play for this team or not? And that was it. Like, you can't vet everybody. So this is why I appreciate whoever Hoop Grids is, I would love for you guys to come on the show. I want to know because this is such a fun game that really, truly tests the knowledge of people the way I intended Patino Game to do. Well, I've got some bad news for you. I mean, the creator of Hoop Grids is Rick Patino. Yeah. Bill Noir. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.